Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you're with us today. Good morning, Smyrna Campus. Love you guys. Glad you're connected there. Everybody connecting with us online, we're so glad that you could connect there and uh, find out more about our church. Or if you're sick and can't be here for some reason, you can still be uh, keeping your connection with the church family there. We're glad that you can do that. We are celebrating today back to Church Sunday. It's an annual event. We've done it for several years now. Some churches celebrated it last week, uh, but we weren't ready yet. I gave us another week, right, so we could get ready and do it this week. And uh, I want to thank, I already know a lot of you were out there inviting other people to connect and get back connected to church or maybe connect for the first time. Some of you brought guests today. We've got several first-time guests and some coming back uh, that had not been here for a while, so it's really great to see that. That's what Back to Church Sunday is all about, is helping people either connect for the first time or get reconnected again. But here's the deal. I know some people couldn't be here because uh, uh, we. I, I almost jumped in on drums today because the guy that was supposed to play the drums uh, uh, tested positive for COVID, Bob, and we want to be praying for Bob Stevens. And uh, uh, we've had so many people connected to our church family that have tested positive over the past several weeks. And it's kind of a resurgence of that going on with the Delta variant and all that. So we still want to use caution. We still want to, to be smart about this, but I'm so glad so many of us can be here face to face. But I know a lot of you are still connecting online and we're glad that you're connecting there. Well, back to Church Sunday, we're starting this series called Hope is Here. And man, what I just said about COVID and all the other stuff that's going on, isn't it timely that we could have a series called Hope is Here? And today's message, we're starting the series with this message, Hope for the Weary. There was a guy who had an old, tired-looking dog come up in his yard, and uh, he seemed to want to to get into the house and he saw a collar on the dog and, and saw that he was well fed so he knew he belonged to somebody but there was no ID on the collar but he went to the door and the dog just followed him up to the door. When he opened the door, the dog ran right in the house. Went right down the hallway into the den, jumped up on the couch and went to sleep. Stayed for about an hour or two, got up and went to the door so the guy let him out. Next day, he shows up again about the same time, comes up to the door, he lets him in, gets on the couch, takes a nap for a while, wakes up, goes to the door, and he lets him out again. He repeated this several days in a row, and he got curious, so he wrote a note and attached it to the dog's collar and said, your dog shows up at my house every day around this time to take a nap. Just wanted you to know. The next day, he shows up again with another note attached to his collar. And this note said this, he lives in a home with four children. He's trying to catch up on his sleep. Can I come with him tomorrow? <laughs> Man, we all feel some of that, don't we? I mean, I mean, the stuff of life has been going on and on and on, and boy, it can wear you out. Uh, I saw this meme again the other day. You've probably seen it before. It says this, I'm still tired from yesterday's tired. Today isn't looking so good either, and I've already used up tomorrow's tired. Man, the average person in the world is functioning a little bit weary and a little bit tired on a regular basis. 
Now, you may not be feeling it right at the moment, but I know you have felt it, and you probably will feel it again. But I think a lot of us, I, I just want to brag on so many of you that, that got up and got to church today for this Back to Church Sunday, and some of you were tired, and when you woke up this morning, you didn't feel like getting up, you didn't feel like getting out, you didn't feel like being together with a bunch of people, but you did it. And I want to brag on you and thank you for doing that because we all are feeling some of the heaviness and the weariness of life. And that's why this message is so timely. Be turning with me, if you would, to some words of Jesus in Matthew 11, beginning with verse 28. Matthew 11, beginning with verse 28. I've always loved this passage. But man, they've been, been some days lately. There have been some days lately where this passage has been so much more precious to me and maybe to you too. Here's what it says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today, I want us to look at three things related to this promise that Jesus makes that we could come to him and, and find rest for our weary souls. Let's start with the first and most obvious one. That's something you already know, but, but we need to hear it and be reminded of it. Life is hard. It is. I heard this and I didn't say it, so don't, don't email me or anything, all right? I think it was John Wayne that said, life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. <laughs> but even if you're not stupid, life's still hard, right? It's still hard. And because life is hard and it's so daily, right? It can wear on you. It can wear you down a little bit. Uh, I was reminded when I, I was studying this passage from Jesus, I love uh, how uh, many of your Bibles, you could get red letter editions. I, I like to read the red ones, right? I, I love, because I know that's Jesus talking when you read the red ones. This is Jesus talking about come to me, you know, you're weary and you're burdened. I'm going to give you rest. Well, I, I was thinking about other passages where Jesus was, was talking about the same kind of thing. One's found in John chapter 16, where Jesus knows he's getting ready to be betrayed by his friend. He's going to be handed over to his enemies. He's going to be beaten and crucified. And he knew his disciples were going to see this and experience this. And it was going to be disheartening to them. And it was going to wear them down to watch this and experience this. And he's trying to prepare them for it. And here's what he says. In verse 33 of John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, when it says in Scripture, by the way, I just want to help you learn to read your Bible and understand it and comprehend it and apply it better. That's part of what we do. We're a teaching church. So, so here's what I want you to know. When it says, I've told you these things, so then in me you may have peace, then it, it would be smart to go back and see, well, what things did he just tell us, right? What was he talking about that led up to him saying, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace? Well, if you go back and read 
chapter 15 and the first part of chapter 16 before he gets to this statement, what Jesus has been talking about is, you remember the vine and the branches, right? You need to stay connected. The branches can't do anything on their own. They got to stay connected to the vine because you can't produce the fruit without staying. So the first thing he said leading into this is you need to be remaining in me, okay? Make sure you stay connected to me. Jesus knew what was coming. They had no clue what was coming, but Jesus did. And he said, it's going to be important for you as you go ahead in this world and the things you're going to have to face, make sure you take this step. You do what it takes to stay connected to me. You're going to need that more than you realize right now. I know sometimes we see some hard things coming, but but boy, we've had a bunch of things over the past year and a half, two years that nobody saw coming, right? We, we, we didn't see it coming. So, so it was important in order to get through it that we kept the connection with Jesus that we needed to keep. But one reason we're celebrating back to church Sunday today is this. So many people got disconnected during this time. So many people got disconnected when I say disconnected, I'm not just talking about from attending church. I mean, obviously, we had to, to go all online for a little while, and we couldn't be together face-to-face -face for a little while, and then we were able to gradually bring that back, and not everybody could be back or was ready to be back. And, and so there was that physical disconnection, but the problem is more than that. When we don't have that, when that element is taken away, then it's easy for us to get disconnected, not just from attending church, but from Christ himself. And so he's saying, I, I want you to know you need to remain in me. And then he went on to tell them, here are some things that are coming. He said, you know what? The, there are people in this world who hate me. And if you identify with me and follow me, what's, how are they going to treat you? They're going to hate you too. So stay connected to me. That's the only way you're going to be strong enough to get through it. There are going to be people in this world who don't like it that you identify with Jesus and follow Jesus and you live like Jesus wants you to live. They're not going to support that. They're not going to encourage that. In fact, some of them will fight against that in your life. So he's saying stay connected to me because you're going to face some hard things. One of the hard things is that if they hated me, they're going to hate you. But Jesus warned them about something else and they had no clue yet this was going to happen. You're going to be persecuted for my sake. I mean, some of you are going to have to sacrifice greatly because of, you are, because of your identification with me. You're going to have to make great sacrifices. You're going to pay a great price for following me. You remember when Jesus was arrested and taken through that mockery of a trial? All these disciples ran and kind of hid during that time. Because they recognized how dangerous it was to be connected to Jesus when he got arrested. And Jesus is trying to warn them ahead of time. Life's going to be hard for you. He goes on to talk about the, the different struggles, different categories of struggles they're going to face with family turning against you and friends. I mean, there are all kinds of things that are going to happen. And he's trying to prepare them for it. So then he, in, that, in light of that, let's read it again. I've told you these things so that where can you have peace when all that junk's going on? In me. In me. Stay connected to me. Live out your life in me and that relationship with me. That's going to be essential for you to get through the hard things 
that you're going to have in life. And he said, in this world, you're going to have what? Trouble. But in me, he's saying, you can still have peace even though you got trouble in the world. You can still have peace. See, that's what this message today is all about. It's the hope that you could have even when you're weary and you're struggling and life is hard, you could still have this hope that you hold on to that gets you through it all. And it doesn't just allow you to survive it. Here's what it allows you to do, this relationship with Jesus. It allows you not just to, to, to get through one day at a time, though some days that's all you feel like you can do. It allows you, as you're getting through one day at a time, to have this presence of peace in your heart, in your mind, your soul. One thing the struggles of this world have done over the past year and a half is it's robbed a lot of people of their peace. They haven't sensed peace in a long time because their peace was conditional on everything in the world being okay, everything in their world being okay. No COVID, no sickness, no, no threat of, of death. No, at least in their mind, they thought everything was good. And then, bam, everything changed and peace was taken away. Because their peace was in the things of the world, not in, as Jesus would say, not in me. He says, in me is where you have this peace. Not in everything being okay in the world, because in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he says, you can take heart even when that happens. I love that phrase, take heart, be encouraged, uh, understand that there's reason to have hope even when things are not good in the world. Why? Because he says, I've overcome the world. That's why I have overcome the world. It's easy to get attached to the world and the things of the world, isn't it? We, we all do it. We all allow ourselves to get a little bit attached to the world and the things of the world and we always want it to be good everything to be okay and there's nothing wrong with that that's not an evil thing that's a natural inclination but that's why it's so important to keep that connection with Christ so strong because when being connected to Christ here's what happens we're connected to something bigger than this world someone who who transcends this world and we are not anymore dependent on only this world because we in Christ are connected to the eternal kingdom of God. So that even if this world is all messed up, it's okay. We don't like it. We don't enjoy it. But we understand how temporary this world is. It's not even our home anyway. We belong to a different kingdom, an eternal kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't enjoy this world. It doesn't mean we shouldn't value some things in this world. That, that's okay to do that. Just keep it in the proper perspective that even if things you value here are taken away, it's okay because this isn't your home anyway. You belong to something much greater than this. You have a hope that transcends all of this stuff as hard as it is. Just think about the past year and a half or so. All right. I know we don't like to be reminded of it. I mean, we keep using the term now uh, pre-COVID, right? Uh, you know, pre-COVID, we thought, you know, here, here's how we do it, like the good old days, right? We make the good old days seem better than they really were. Right? If I go back to my hometown today, 
because I was, I was uh, an athlete and we had a pretty good football team some of the time that I was there, here's what a lot of the people are going to do. Man, boy, that was sure a good team. You know, you know we, we really, we, 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 were, we were just so good. And, you know, all of a sudden the stories of the games we played and the, and, and the, and the, the things we accomplished, they, they tend to get a little exaggerated. I'm always amazed at how the stories grow the next time I went back to my hometown. It's like we were superhuman beings, you know, and we, and I'm thinking, I, I didn't really enjoy it that much, you know. Yeah, I remember a good year, but I remember a bad year too. I remember some hard stuff. Well, we do that with pre-COVID. We act like before COVID hit, everything was great. But before COVID hit, was there sickness, divorce, death? Yeah, sorrow, struggle. Loss of jobs, hard to pay the bills. Yeah, all of that was pre-COVID too. In this world, we're going to have trouble. And guess what? If we ever get past COVID, what's still going to be there? Trouble, hard things. Now, Jesus may come back before COVID's over. I don't know. If he does, COVID won't matter anyway, right? None of the hard stuff will. In this world, in this life, you're going to have hard things. We need to understand that so that we can prepare for it. I mean, the last year and a half, racial tensions, political divide, global pandemic, and then you got the division with mask or no mask or vaccine or no vaccine or social distance or no social distance or in-person or virtual or, or hybrid of both or whatever. You know, all that stuff that we're still dealing with right now. Because in this world, what are you going to have? Trouble. So knowing that, and that's not over yet. Where do you go to have peace? Jesus says, in me. That's where you have the peace. In me. So that's the first thing. Life is hard. So the second question then is in view of the fact that life is hard, the most important question that Jesus is, is asking us to consider here in Matthew 11, when he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Here's the question. Are you yoked with Christ? Right now, are you yoked with Christ? That word yoke is interesting because we don't use it much anymore in our culture because we're not as much an agricultural culture in our, in our uh, town, in our uh, area, in our region as, as we used to be. And so not many people, and even if we were, they, they've kind of gone beyond using animals so much for the work on the farm. So yokes aren't that common to anybody anymore. But the word yoke uh, is, is uh, I looked it up to see how the dictionary would define it. Here's, here's what it said. A wooden cross piece that is fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to the plow or the cart that the they are to pull. So some of you will know right away what a yoke is. It, it is often, not always, but a lot of times it was made out of wood. It would, have to, it would have these rounded out areas of the wood where it would fit over the neck of the animals and you would get a couple of animals yoked together to do a job that needed to be done because they had greater ability to do it if you had more than one yoke together and working together at the same time. 
That definition that I looked up had the very next line said this. Yoked is used of something that is regarded as oppressive or burdensome. That's the way some people think of being yoked. Is it something oppressive or something burdensome? But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Does that sound burdensome to you? No. That's the problem. People have been convinced by Satan, the liar that he is, that getting yoked to Jesus is going to be a burden to your life instead of the blessing that Jesus says it's going to be. If I get yoked up with Jesus, I, I can't do this anymore. And I can't do that. And I got to start doing this because if I don't, I'm going to hell, right? So it's a burden. It's a burden to have to follow Jesus. Being a Christian's a hard thing. Man, try life without Christ. That's the hard thing. Yes, it's a yoke, but look at who you're yoked with. You're yoked with Jesus. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If I'm going to be yoked with anybody in this world, and I know in this world I'm going to have what? Then wouldn't you want to be yoked with somebody who's overcome all that stuff? who's had victory over all that stuff. I want to be yoked up with a person like that. And so Jesus invites us. He says, I want you to come and get yoked up with me. Because when we get yoked up with Jesus, all of a sudden, we're not bearing all of the weight of the burden of the trouble of the world on our own anymore. Now we're yoked up with someone who has conquered all of that stuff already. I'd much rather be yoked up with Jesus than doing it on my own or being yoked up with somebody else who can't overcome those things either. You see, Jesus has already proven his ability to have victory over those things. So here's the question. Are you yoked with Jesus right now? In Galatians 3, 26, it says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. So he says the way you go from being outside and disconnected from Christ to be in Christ and yoked up with him is through faith you get baptized into Christ and you're clothed with Christ. You're yoked with Christ then. So here's the question. Are you yoked with Christ? Have you decided to put your faith and your trust in him? Have you, have you been obedient to his call of what it means to have faith on him by, by being baptized into Jesus Christ so you are now clothed with Christ? Have you taken that step yet? Because that's how you get yoked up with Christ. Are you yoked with Christ? If you're not, in this world, you're going to have trouble either way. Wouldn't you rather be yoked up with Jesus as you go through the trouble? The one who's already overcome all those things. You don't have to live another day bearing the burden on your own. You don't have to live another day trying to, to fight your way through the trouble of this world and survive it. Instead, you can be yoked up with the one who's already overcome it so that you can have that hope that he wants you to live with even in the middle of the trouble of this world.
So yeah, life is hard, but the question is, are you yoked with Christ? Remember, I talked about John 15 and the vine and the branches. Jesus said this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, even in this world with all of its trouble, if you're connected to me, yoked up with me, you're going to be able to bear good fruit in this life. You're going to be able to accomplish good things. You're going to be able to enjoy some blessings and some good things and bless other people in the process. You're not going to be able to do that well on your own, but if you're yoked up with Christ, you can have that kind of impact in this world while you're here. I don't know when we'll get past COVID, but you know what I know God can do even in the middle of COVID? Produce good fruit through his people even in the middle of COVID or any of the other junk that people are going through in their lives, he can still produce good fruit for those who are yoked up with him. You see, the key is not, are there problems going on right now? The key is, who are you yoked with as you go through it? Are you yoked with Christ? Which leads to the final one today, and that's this. Well, if you're yoked with Christ, here's something that's supposed to happen too. Are you yoked with one another? Interesting thing about a yoke, some of them are just two section yokes, but some of them would be three or even four section yokes where more than one animal could be connected to the others, right? Here's the interesting thing about it. If Christ is in the yoke and we get connected to that yoke, then anybody else that's connected to Christ, guess what happens? We are now also yoked up with who? With everybody else that's connected to Christ too. We're yoked up with each other. One of the things that I think is one of the most ridiculous lies Satan has ever told Christians is, you don't have to be part of a church to be a Christian. What a lie. It's straight from hell. You can never be connected to Christ without being connected to everybody else that's connected to Christ. That's the way yokes work. You can't choose to be connected to Christ and at the same time not choose to be connected to other people that are connected to Christ. That option doesn't exist. If you're connected to Christ, you are willingly being connected to everybody else that's connected to Christ too. That's his plan. It's his plan for your good and for my good. I love Galatians 6 and verse 2. Here's what Paul says for us. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What are Christians supposed to do? Carry one another's burdens. Can you do that without being connected to the body of Christ, the church? No. You can't. You can never fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life as a Christian while staying disconnected from his church, ever. It, does never, it, do, it never works that way. It's not designed to work that way. We're being yoked together, not just with Christ. We're being yoked together with each other through Christ. We're supposed to be there for each other. 
as I was preparing this message, I love how God does this. He does it all the time. And I'm not amazed by it anymore. I just love it. I just have fun with it. When I'm working on a sermon and I'm trying to put some ideas together and write it out, he will always provide some source that I wasn't even thinking of. I'm working on this sermon and I get an email from one of our elders, Jeff Schicks, right? Jeff is one of our elders here and he's the director for the Youth for Christ here in Nashville. Does great work there. And I love Jeff as a brother. And Jeff sends this email devotional out, right? To some of us that we, we read this devotion together. And, and in this devotion, guess what he's got in there? All the one another passages for the church in the New Testament. Just fits perfectly. I didn't even tell Jeff yet. I haven't seen him today, but thank you, Jeff. <laughs> you just supplied meat for the sermon, right? Because I was already starting to think that direction, and then bam, I get that email. Listen to this. Here are a few, just a few of the one another passages of Scripture that prove you can't be a Christian without being connected to the body of Christ because you can't fulfill your purpose as a Christian. Here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 13, encourage one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 1 Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, by the way, he says. I'm glad he threw that in because some of you grumble an awful lot. <laughs> Need to get rid of that, okay? Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Now, Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Ephesians 5, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. By the way, bearing with one another, that just means putting up with each other. That's what that means. You got to put up with one another in the body of Christ, okay? Philippians 2, 5. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Leviticus 19, do not deceive one another. James 5, 9, don't grumble against one another. John 13, 35, you're my disciples if you love one another. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, encourage one another. Build each other up. Hebrews 10, 24, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 1 Peter 3, 8, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. For giving one another. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily. 1 John 4, 7, love one another for love comes from God. You get the idea? You see, when we yoke up with Christ, we're supposed to yoke up with each other too. We're supposed to be in this together, all of us, as one in Christ. You can't keep yourself separated from the body of Christ and ever be a Christian, a real Christian, according to the scriptures. You can't do it. You need to quit trying to do it because it's not designed to work that way. It only works well when we connect to Christ and understand that can, that also involves being connected to each other. In Acts chapter 2, we read the history of the early church when, you know, the church got started and what they were doing, what, what lifestyles they practiced and all that. I love reading the book of Acts. It's a great book of history. In Acts 2, starting with verse 42, we find a summary uh, statement of what the first Christians were doing with their lives. Now, I find it really interesting because here's what I know about those early Christians. Listen to me. They were living in very hard 
times. We act like we're the first Christians to have to go through hard stuff. It's been that way forever, okay? And they were going through really hard things. But we see they did some things intentionally on being yoked with Christ. They also understood how they were yoked to each other and they, they bought into that. They welcomed that. They gave themselves to that. And these early Christians turned the world upside down for Jesus. So I think we can learn something from them, don't you? Listen to Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to those things. One of those things they devoted themselves to is translated fellowship. And that's an interesting word. We use it usually to talk about food, Right? We used to have and still do in a lot of churches, what kind of meals? Fellowship meals, right? Now, what a fellowship meal usually was for most churches is potluck, right? Everybody brings something. They put it on the table and everybody shares it. You know, pre-COVID, you could do some of that. <laughs> we were crazy back then, weren't we? We would actually eat cake that somebody blew all over. It was <laughs> wild people, right? We were just wild. And so we would have people that brought food and we don't know where it was prepared or we, if we hadn't seen their kitchen, we don't know what the conditions were like, right? We don't know anything about it. But we just put it all on the table. Everybody would just, and people would just be all over it, you know, just say, what's over there? What, you know, and breathing all over everything. And we'd be just dipping out stuff, right? Why? Because at the root of the word fellowship is not just food. It means to share life with others. Listen to what he went on to say here in Acts 2. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Listen to this. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, when they did life together, yoked with Christ and yoked with each other, daily people were being brought to Jesus and their salvation. That's God's plan for the church, for transforming the world through the church. Many years ago, there was a, a horse pulling contest up in Canada. They still do these at a lot of places. And they, what they do is they, they have these, uh, these flatbeds usually now that they use where they put weight on there and they will yoke up a horse or oxen or whatever to see how much weight they can pull on, on that flatbed. And, and it's a contest to see which animal can pull the most. And at this particular horse pulling contest in Canada, they had a draft horse that pulled 9,000 pounds. They put, uh, hooked up the second place horse who had pulled a little over 8,000 pounds. And somebody had an idea before they left that day. What if we hook them up together? How much could they pull together? 9,000 and 8,000? Some of you, you didn't know you were going to have to do math today. What would that be, right? 17, very good. 17,000 pounds, right? They thought, well... If one pulled nine, the other pulled eight, they should be able to pull 17. So they put 17 on the, on the flatbed and they pulled it easily together. So then they got curious, well, how much can they pull together? 
And they kept adding weight and adding weight. And those two horses ended up yoked together. They pulled over 30,000 pounds together. Not just 17,000, 30,000. Why? Because being yoked together makes us all stronger than we could ever be individually. And that's why the church family is so precious and so vitally important to our lives as we try to get through this life that is hard on this earth. We need Jesus and we need each other. And maybe you're here today and you're not connected to the body of Christ. Maybe you're not connected to Christ at all. Well, God's plan is for you to get yoked together with Christ. And if you get yoked together with Christ, then you also get yoked together with others who belong to Christ. And friends, all of us being yoked together are much, much stronger and we can accomplish so much more than we could ever do on our own. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that in Jesus, we're yoked to the one who has already conquered sin and death, who's overcome all the struggles we're ever going to face on this earth. There's nothing more important than being yoked with Jesus. Help us, Father, if there's anybody who needs to take that step of being yoked to Christ, that today they could come in faith, they could be baptized if they haven't already done it, into Jesus Christ, and they could be yoked up together with him. But Father, help us to recommit to not just thinking that we can be yoked to Christ and not yoked to each other. It doesn't work that way. Help us to commit to being yoked to one another. So if there's anyone here who's not connected to the body of Christ, the church, maybe today, Father, they would take that step of making sure they are yoked with their brothers and sisters in Christ through the local church. Whatever the need is in their lives, Father, I pray today they would see Jesus as the source for all of their needs being met. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.